0: Welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Newton. Joining me, as always, fellow 444.com writer Connor Allen. What's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. I'm. This is our last division preview. I mean, these have been going really well. We've had a lot of great guests on. Um, just kind of, you know, hang out, um, talk about the divisions, talk about anything that comes to mind. Um, I'm excited, you know, to break down this one here with uh, Court um, the. Um, founder of Bet the Prop. It's like an awesome uh, website that focuses on um, betting, you know, specifically betting on player props, which are super exploitable. Um, I mean, he's done a great job. We talk, you know, fairly frequently, and I'm in his in his Slack, you know, just scooping strikeout props all the time whenever I can, man. <laughs> Court, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Yeah, we're sweating. I
2: got about three strikeout props going right now. So I turned them off, though. You got all of my focus right here. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the player prop market, I uh, that's something you've played in quite a bit uh, for NFL. And uh, that's sort of how I started in player props as well and uh, sort of started branching into other sports. Uh, yeah, I mean, these lines are explo- exploitable right across a bunch of different sports. So we have a lot of fun.
0: KB, the prop market is soft. I Connor mean, Connor's hammered that for a while and talks a lot about how it doesn't go up. You know, they don't really put up the prop market till later in the week and books don't want to be exposed. And the reality is is they just don't spend as much time on these specific things as we do in the prop hunting in DFS fantasy space. So yeah, Yeah, that's that's the fact that a lot of
2: people that are just getting into the space and comment. I hear a lot of people coming into the spaces, you know, they can't, they just assume they call it Vegas, right? They,
1: Vegas knows what's up. You're not going to beat Vegas, well, we're not playing
2: Vegas when it comes to player props. We're we're basically. I explain to people. I kind of joke about it, but like a lot of a lot of the times, it's a, a trader, you know, in Costa Rica or Antigua who's coming in late to work, who's you know just spilled coffee all over himself, and that's who we're going up against the prop. Like we're not going up against any powerful algorithms here. So uh, yeah, that's how I like to think about it. Like it's it's not tough to beat. So you just got to work a little
1: guys
2: and uh, mm. try to get a
1: little bit, little bit more for
0: information. For sure. Court, you're echoing a little bit. Connor, are you getting that too, or is it just me?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I am a little bit here. I'm not sure if it's possible to fix. Uh, yeah, you know uh, what it is?
2: I just moved into a new house. and then uh, oh, got Congratulations. But, uh, what I'll do is here, I'll bring it up closer to my, uh, my mouth, and that will probably help along.
0: Okay, sweet. All right, well, support while we uh, do that. Support for Move the Line brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming, uh, offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. You can get 20% off in free shipping with the code Move the Line at manscaped.com. Again, 20% free shipping at manscaped.com with the code Move the Line. We also want to tell you about Our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, say hello to your new favorite place to to play fantasy football for real money. Uh, It is the best best ball format that is out there. You can sign up at Underdog today, enter their best ball mania for a chance of $1 million in prizes. Going to underdogfantasy.com or search Underdog Fantasy in the app store. Be sure to use the code 444 after you're making your final deposit. All right, we talked about the final one here, AFC South, and we are done jumping into week one. I cannot believe we are ready for week one finally. Again, it still doesn't feel super real. We're like eight days away from Thursday night football with the Texans and Chiefs, and then a full week one slate. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Before we jump into the AFC South, I want to talk a little bit about the breaking news, really in our wake and take section. Um, There have been some pretty interesting, (coughs) slightly ridiculous Leonard Fournette takes um, in the airways and the Twitter sphere in the last 24 to 48 hours with the release of former AFC South uh, member super here, in Leonard Fournette. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of discussions out there in the uh, in the streets around Fournette's value in the season long market. I know his his prop number was actually set super low. Some pretty sharp people that were looking to take advantage of that because it was pretty low. But, um, you know, some people spitting it that, you know, he was a good pick because, you know, he, he was going to get released and now he's going to land in a good home. And as we're recording and hit, you know, hit play here tonight, we have the breaking news that Fournette is signing and derailing the value of um, my always nemesis, Ronald Jones. <laughs> this is not a Ronald Jones friendly show. <laughs> uh, I have really been nervous because I really, yeah. I. Probably seventy plus best ball teams right now, and very very underexposed to Ronald Jones. That'll probably be. Have you drafted too. him at
1: all? I mean, it's got to be zero, right? Zero. Yeah, you got to have zero. There's no way. I no mean, I, th- I, I, yeah, I it's... thought
0: about it when it was like seventh, eighth round Ronald Jones in like March, <sighs> but fifth round Ronald Jones, fourth round Ronald Jones over on FFPC, you can go. Pound sand. There is no chance that, that was happening. Um, Connor, let us know. Ronald Jones, Fournette. What are your thoughts about uh, all that's going
1: on here? I was actually talking to Joe Pano today about this, so I got really scared because you know all the talk came out about today how Bruce Arians, who is completely full of shit, by the way. I mean, like literally hours ago, this man is talking about how excited he is for ronald jones to be like take on this full role and then they go and sign (laughs) literally like within a few hours i mean that's just so ridiculous but yeah i think that fournette eats into ronald jones touchdown upside even if they split early down work i mean that's you know that's going to be a good significant share there and then they already have been talking about daria gunbowale as like their pass catching guy and then potentially mccoy as a change of pace guy i mean i don't even know if they keep all four at this point um probably not and so yeah, I don't know how it shakes up, but I mean, I think this is a big hit to Ronald Jones, and um I don't know. I mean, I'm still not touching him in fantasy court. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. I know that we're, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but we this literally just happened like right before we hit record.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm eating my mic a little bit more here, so hopefully that works a bit better for you guys. But um... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely drafting a little bit of him. Uh probably back in the spring, early summer when uh Keyshawn Bond was uh a little bit more expensive actually. Keyshawn Bond was going ahead of him after the draft for quite yeah. a while. Uh, and yeah, Rodo was kinda of back at the seventh eighth a lot of the time, ninth a lot of the time. And I was fine with it there because uh I'm doing a lot of uh zero army builds. So I'm you know, I'm totally fine. If I miss on some of those guys, that's fine. The seventh eighth uh he does have upside. Uh but yeah, obviously that's gone now. So uh I don't know how much rushing work he takes from him. I mean, yeah, I guess they sort of were maybe looking at a kind of a 50-50 split on first downs perhaps, and then working in, uh, I guess, I don't know, Keyshawn Vaughn or Shane McCoy, if he makes the team, probably Keyshawn Vaughn though. Uh, But yeah, it kind of makes an already gross situation – pretty much untouchable, I would say. I mean, I think I think that uh Fournette is probably going to slide into um uh, that ADP. Like he's probably gonna take over Ronald Jones ADP. Would you guys say that? Or is that a little rich are you are we assuming that maybe he's he's getting priced a little bit lower than, than Rojo has the last
1: three, four weeks? I think probably right. they will be like really similar range, honestly. Yeah. I think you know I think I think they'll probably I wouldn't surprise me both to be in, like, the seventh-ish, eighth range, you know, just right. because people will still latch on um, yeah, so sure to that. Right yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I think it'll probably just be, for me, a situation to avoid, but I think people will still kind of latch on to sure. the name brand, and all the takes will be fired off in this coming week, you know, of people just, you know, Leonard Fournette is the guy because, you know, some anecdotal reason. Ronald Jones is the guy because – Bruce has been talking about him nonstop. You know, we're gonna see all the bad takes. Um, for me, it's just an avoid situation. They're each probably gonna score like five touchdowns. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm kind of just off the whole situation. Maybe take some unders for the prop market coming up. Depending, I don't know what the lines are gonna be, but I am very interested in that. And I think that there could be some good situations going forward to take some unders, especially if the Bucks are gonna to have to pass. Like I think that's gonna be like you could get some. Each of them finishes with like twenty five yards, something like that. Um, so we'll see about that for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, I love it. I love this so very much. <laughs> it warms the cuckles of my heart. Uh, you know, you know, running backs don't matter. We know this, right? Theoretically, conceptually, but it does also. I feel better about even my my Buccaneers over at nine and a half. It just adds some depth as someone who is really wasn't buying into this transformation of a, a one-dimensional, straightforward track athlete who developed all this muscle over the offseason was all of a sudden going to be able to develop a skill set that he hadn't shown in college whatsoever, had not shown at all in his limited time in the NFL. And I know that Fournette was horribly efficient, inefficient with his his receptions last year, but um, you know, Shady McCoy, like that whole dynamic made me a little nervous. And now at least Fournette kind of is another body in there to kind of level the playing field and not have to really rely on, on Ronald Jones. So I think it's, it's fantastic. I I try not to have take lock, but my take lock on Ronald Jones has been pretty strong. And I, I feel uh, that I backed into a W here uh, (laughs) because he was set up to, to really pay off, especially that early, you know, right around draft season was court was talking about too, how Keyshawn Vaughn was going ahead of Ronald Jones pretty frequently in, you know, in, in March, in April, you know, post post post-draft right around April too. So fantastic, very interesting stuff. Um, It's excited to see how this plays off. And I, you know, I think because you mentioned the name value, I think we see Fournette go a little bit ahead of Ronald Jones, probably in that running back dead zone, obviously not going to pay off that third round, you know, even fourth round value. But I think you maybe see fit late fifth, early sixth for Fournette and maybe, you know, Rojo. Settles a little bit behind that, but uh still a stay away for me. That's definitely a place to hammer wide receiver in DFS or I mean sorry in uh in best ball and you know, maybe even a uh Zach Ertz or Andrews if they fall, it's kind of where I'm looking to do, and I'm looking to stay away from those backs. But uh, yeah, let's jump into- it
2: makes Keyshawn Vaughn playable now, right? Like we're kinda of offhand when they sign shady. Um uh, but you know he's going to be. I don't know what his price is going to be. I imagine uh, this is going to hurt even more. And somebody's got to catch up to the passes there. And uh, yeah, I don't know if Shady is even going to make the team. So uh, if it's if he's cheap enough, I, I, I might not mind that play in PPR leagues as a league flyer.
0: Well, let's unpack the AFC South. We have the uh, Colts as the favorite here to win the division, plus one thirty. Titans shortly behind them, uh, plus one seventy. Texans a little bit back there, at plus three fifty five, and the Jags nowhere to be found, twenty three to one to win the division. Um, you know, obviously some some changes here. Colts making a quarterback change, bringing in thirty eight year old former gunslinger Philip Rivers. Uh, intriguing weapons <laughs> surrounding him. Uh, best offensive line in the league, probably pretty young, dynamic. Improving defense and a very, very tasty schedule. Titans there as well. Um, similarly, great schedule. Bringing back a lot of the core, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Signing the big dog uh, to a nice contract. Bringing back Ryan Tannehill. The Texans really overhauling the offense, essentially. you know, Obviously, moving on from DeAndre Hopkins is a big move. Hoping to get some playing time consistently out of Will Fuller. Brandon Cooks there. Uh, could still be a pretty interesting offense you know obviously david johnson coming in on trade and the jaguars are obviously playing their hands to essentially be what we thought the dolphins were going to try to do last year was just punt the season and position themselves for a future franchise quarterback in the draft knowing that there are multiple coming out of this draft they really want to make sure they can get that top spot and uh you know obviously have moved on from uh Basically, all their talents in the last three or four years. They were really close. They blew a really bad game in New England for the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, and basically, it's been a slow dismantling ever since. So, kind of real quick, out of the top uh, overall impressions on the AFC South.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, off the top, I think that the Texans are kind of a good, interesting value. Like, if you're looking for value in the division at plus three fifty five. But um, you know, the Colts schedule is insanely easy as we'll dig into, you know, coming up here. And I think that it's something that we need to pay attention to. And definitely, you know, when we break down these teams' schedules, um, even though there's a lot of it seems like a lot of value in the Texans, uh, it, you know, it, it might be a trap. So uh we'll we'll dig into it more though coming up.
0: Well let's start with the Colts. Um uh, to make the playoffs, they are minus one forty nine on MGM. Um you can go the other way and kind of hedge too, even. Um they are a no to make the playoffs. Plus one sixty on FanDuel. Uh, if you want to middle that, you can. It's lots of leave that money out there for a while, but uh, small little profit guaranteed. Win total uh, different at uh, different different places. We're seeing a eight and a half at MGM, uh, nine at FanDuel, nine and a half at points bet. There is even an adjusted 10 and a half, Connor, you're seeing at Sugar House, which is a pretty huge number. Uh, they are again plus one thirty to win this division. They are twelve to one to win the AFC, twenty five to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about the changes. Phillip Rivers kind of in here on a one year deal, and uh, you know, nice little trade with the Niners to bolster that defensive line, adding DeForest Buckner, and then some really good draft picks. Obviously, you know, early adding both Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, who are both very interesting. Uh, prospects. But uh, Connor, get me started and talk about the Colts.
1: Yeah. I think you hit on a lot of good team points here, but something I think that, you know, needs to be talked about their strength of schedule is far and away the easiest in the league. And, you know, when I'm talking about strength of schedule, I'm talking about opposing win totals, according to sports books. Um, I think that's, you know, at this point, pretty much the only way to talk about um, strength of schedule. Um, And I mean, part of that reason is that they draw the Jags twice. They also get to play against the Jets the Bengals and then, you know, to lesser extremes, uh, the lions and the Raiders. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's like, those are six games where they're going to be probably, you know, in in the other games, they're going to be a touchdown favorite or more. We're already seeing week one against Jacksonville, they're seven and a half point favorites. Um, and I would say for those six games, they will be touchdown favorites or more. Uh, but it's six games that I think that they should very easily win. And then in addition to that though, um, they really just don't play against a lot of like elite teams. They have one game against the Ravens, and then the rest of the teams are all in that you know middling range where they're eight to nine win teams that could be good, and they could also be you know just okay. And I think that that presents a lot of very winnable games for a cold team like that we just talked about is is strong. And so uh, I'm personally you know really not on the win total much. I mean at, at eight and a half, I think that that's interesting, but with the juice at minus one seventy five. You know, I'm not too excited. Um, I'm also not going to hedge, you know, between the eight and a half and ten and a half, even though I think that's probably the range that they, you know, a good range for them. Uh, I think the juice is too much there for for that kind of, you know, uh, middling there. But yeah, I mean, for the Colts, I think that probably at this point, all the value is sucked out of them. I know, you know, some really good value on taking the over. I think they opened at like eight and a half um, yeah. or nine spots.
0: Yeah, it's been bet into pretty heavily. I believe it's one of the most popular you know, wind totals in the marketplace. They've been just hammered uh, relentlessly over the last uh, couple months since this popped up. Uh, what are your thoughts, Court, on the Colts?
2: Yeah, pretty much the same. I don't see a lot of value there. i betting 25-1 on the Super Bowl. 12-1 on the AFC. I guess, is interesting. But yeah, I'm probably going to walk closer to like plus 1,500 bet that um yeah 130 like it just the strengths of schedule stuff I mean that's no secret to anybody I think that's well baked into these prices um so yeah these look pretty efficient to me I don't see a whole lot here that are, that I'm getting excited about um again I wouldn't want to be a minus 149 the winter uh, I'm seeing uh, looks like under nine plus 100 that that might be one I would I would play with a little bit uh that they're going to land on nine quite a bit, and then try to uh, get a bit of a free roll spot on that under. Uh, just hoping that they may be a little bit overvalued by the market. They may not be. I think this is; these are probably very efficient lines, uh, not ones I want to mess with a lot. But uh, if I had to that might be one I would look at is the uh, under nine plus one hundred.
0: Well, let's take a look at the props. This is a very interesting team from a talent. Uh, Standpoint offensively, obviously, we mentioned Phillip Rivers obviously coming over from the Chargers, and uh, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the different things that they have weapon wise. I mean, obviously, Marlon Matt coming back, adding Jonathan Taylor, you know, trading up in the second to make sure they solidify that running back position again, wanting to lean on the strength of their team, which is a really incredible offensive line, Um, ball control. Is going to be a massive part of this team, which throws a little bit of a wet blanket on the passing attack, which is actually pretty interesting. T.Y. Hilton coming back, who I think a lot of people are uh, ready to bury. And, you know, Paris Campbell is an exciting prospect. Really didn't see the field too often last year. was dealing with lots of injuries. And I really like Michael Pittman long-term. I don't know that he's a great... Uh, necessarily fantasy play this year per se, especially with the way that they want to run and kind of the, the way the heat profiles to be used in this offense, but uh, long-term, very bullish on, on this uh, pass catching core. And let's take a look at some of our props. We have rivers, uh, passing yards uh, Our four for four projections at 4,300. And we were finding a little bit under 4,100 out there in the market with touchdowns around 27 and a half. Uh, I kind of know, I think where your leans are on these, obviously, in the season of COVID, you know, probably not chasing too many overs. Philip Rivers is not necessarily a sexy guy that you want to be chasing overs on either. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the Rivers prop market?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that – I just don't want to, like, you know, be chasing something where a team's trying to run the ball um, a lot and I don't really like it to take an over on that. So, I mean, even though our projections say over, I think it'll be kind of close. I just don't think there's enough wiggle room there to like the over, even though his weapons are pretty good and uh, the offensive line is good. You know, I think they want to run the ball. Um, so, I mean, for the Rivers prop, it doesn't really, you know, I'm, I'm staying off that. But uh, I did take a position on Marlon Mack. You know, his over-under now is at 700. Um, it was at 750 earlier in the offseason. I took the under on that. Um I'm not feeling as good as about it now as I did earlier. Um, it's not that I really thought that Jonathan Taylor would, you know, ever like not, or like fully take over from day one, but I just thought that the transition would happen pretty quickly. Um, and so I, th- I, th- I still do think that, you know, the under is a solid play, but you know, like we haven't projected for 709 yards. Um, I was more comfortable taking under 750 um, because I, I mean, I do think that Taylor ends up taking over. He's the, probably the more talented player. Um, and ends up seeing the majority of the work. But at this point, it looks like they're going to head into the season kind of in a, a pretty good split here. And, you know, the issue is, is that with playing so many easy teams, like they're going to be able to run the ball, you know, a lot. And I think that that's going to play into Mac potentially really coming close to that 700-yard mark.
0: Yeah, talk so far seems to be that Mac is going to be the default quote-unquote starter. Uh, with obviously Jonathan Taylor working in and making that problematic probably from a fantasy standpoint and will make you want to sweat out both of these from a prop market standpoint too. Um, what are your thoughts on the running back situation, Court? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really buying that.
2: I think uh, Taylor's going to take over pretty easily. Um, you know, draft equity speaks, uh, I think, when it comes to this stuff and the fact also that they traded up. Uh, they, can, I don't know, they can say whatever they want this time I I really don't care. I mean, what they did. To hit the draft speaks much louder. I guess. We, uh got the great offensive line. And I mean, let's not forget about Taylor. We're not talking about an average prospect here. We're talking about a phenomenal prospect. Uh, you know, very well could be a Saquon Barkley without the receiving skills in terms of the side speed. Combo he was very productive. Uh, and the Colts went out of their way to get him. So, yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, I, I sort of see kind of 200 carries. Uh, for Taylor and about 150 for Mac. Uh, so I think the Mac's a pretty easy under on um, 700.5. Like he really needs to get into that uh, kind of 175, 200 carry range
1: to really have a chance at this.
2: And, um, you know, I just, it's possible, certainly. Uh, he's going to have to start out really well and he's going to have to keep that job. Um, and I just don't see that happening too many times. Taylor, I really think, is going to get closer to the 200 carry mark. Um, and I, I kind of like his over uh, seven hundred point five. I'm not betting any overs this year at all, um, but I think seven hundred point five is pretty reasonable for a guy of his talents. Uh, like you say, they're going to be leading a lot of games. Great offensive line. Uh, they want to run the ball. And again, like, this guy's good. <laughs> this guy's excellent prospect. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to watching him behind the line. So yeah, I probably uh, lean towards the over on seven hundred point five for Jonathan Taylor. Pretty easy under you know, seven hundred point five for Martin market. That's for rivers. Um, you know, I don't mind that again. Like, <clears throat> I think I think betting any overs this year is pretty poor. You got to remember. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I've sort of seen this sentiment out there on Twitter. Like, I think people. Some people think that their bets are getting canceled. If, if the car, you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. so you start the season, your bets locked in. Um, so, you know, these guys, and you're talking about you know, one positive test weight and missing three weeks, like, it's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I'm not betting any of us this year. Um, that said, Rivers, 40.99 is uh, pretty low. Uh, he's been over seven straight seasons and I think pretty easily, I think his low was around 4,300 yards uh, in the last seven seasons. So he's pretty, he's pretty easily, steady efficiency, and uh, I know people are sort of, you know, Colts want to run the ball. Well, they had the same amount of plays last year as as the Chargers did. The Chargers have been for the last three four seasons a very low volume team, um, so it's not like that's a big drop off there in terms of volume. Maybe maybe a couple plays a game, but I think we're going to see a very similar season to what we've seen from uh, Rivers in the past. And he stays healthy. That's the other factor uh, when I'm looking at overs. Very pretty likely to play 16 games. if am want to you not know, worry. It's going to stay healthy behind that line, so I don't mind that one. Uh, would be rushing out to buy it, or, but you know, I think at 40.99, that's uh, that's a pretty attainable line. I don't think that's anything ridiculous. And then TY, uh, 1050, yeah, just no play for me. Uh, kind of I'd probably take the under there, uh, just because you know, he's definitely got some upside, I think, in that offense, uh, for fantasy, but in terms of the projection, uh, yeah, that's just too aggressive for me, and that'd be taking the under.
0: Yeah, TY is uh, someone I've warmed up to a little bit as the season's gone on. Um, but, uh, you know, not super exciting. Again, definitely a little bit more competition target wise with the um, multitude of tight ends and then obviously getting, you know, Pittman and then Campbell coming back. But at the same time, he is definitely the focal point uh, from the passing offense. What are your thoughts on TY's number, Connor?
1: Yeah, I think I think you guys said it's kind of, you know, a stay away for me. Probably, I mean, in a full regular season, you know, I'd probably lean over if he's, you know, plays the full 16. But, you know, that's kind of baked into the part about betting props. You know, there's a lot of outs on the under, and especially this year. So, yeah, I'm probably not touching that one.
0: It's, this team is exciting. If they can get anything out of their secondary, uh, the – Ghost of Xavier Rhodes coming over in uh, in free agency, you know Rockerson in uh, his second year. Some of the guys that popped a little bit last year mentioned earlier, bringing in you uh, know DeForest Buckner up front, and obviously having you know Walker and Leonard at uh, at the linebacker position. It's a pretty nice defense, uh, especially front seven. So they are pretty interesting. Nice little uh, fantasy. Um, defense if you're looking to just like punt defensively and you know Connor talked about how they do have the easiest schedule in the league it starts off obviously with Jacksonville which is nice they're uh they're pretty cheap they're obviously not going you know up there with the you know Niners and Ravens and Patriots of the world so if you want to wait a little bit the uh, Colts are a nice last punt I think that they could be quite interesting all right the uh, Next team, second easiest schedule in the league is the Titans. They are uh, minus 130 on FanDuel to make the playoffs. You can short them on MGM, plus 115 not to make the playoffs. Basically, eight and a half for the win total in most spots. There's a nine out there at points bet, plus 170 to win the South, 16 to one to win the AFC, 35 to one to win the entire thing. Um, And this is interesting. I mean, obviously – Lots of uh, you know fantasy excitement in uh, in Henry, AJ Brown. Uh, obviously, what Tannehill did last year was absolutely insane from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, his rushing ability, high touchdown rate relative to you know what we saw from the passing attempt standpoint. AJ Brown was more times than not the beneficiary of that. Uh, Connor, get me started. Tell me about the Titans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you you know that they are a team where. I last year I just shied away from every week because I just did not know what we were going to get and I think that hopefully this year we're going to get a little bit more consistency but I just felt like they were a team who could beat anyone and could lose to anyone last year Um, and you know maybe some of maybe some of that rolls over into this year with kind of their game plan of being a run heavy team that if they're coming from behind um, you know they won't be able to implement that and it'll be a little bit more different but I like. I mean, Tannehill looked good last year. Like he has a legitimate weapons. They have a good offensive line. Um, I do want to speak on the strength of schedule again. It's kind of so right. They have the second easiest schedule, but there's like these weird pockets here where they just play really difficult chunks. Um, so like weeks three through five, they have the Vikings, Steelers, and then Bills, um, which is you know just like uh, that's not an easy stretch by any means. And then weeks nine through thirteen. Um, you know, some of these teams aren't awesome, but I mean, they're all projected to be above average. You're looking at Bears, Colts, Ravens, Colts again, and then the Browns. So, I mean, who knows how the Bears end up? But right now, I mean, the defense is going to be difficult no matter what. Um, there's just like those those two, you know, stretches right there are not going to be easy for any team. Um, so I don't know. Again, it's it doesn't really it is baked into the number, like Court said. I mean, it's nothing that I'm really you know using to make a decision either way, but. I just think it's it is worth noting, like there are going to be some some stretches here where it's it's going to be difficult for the Titans to, you know, win a lot of games in a row. Um, odds to them make the playoffs. Um, I mean, I think they do make the playoffs, but at minus one thirty, I mean, I'm not I'm not touching that. So
0: the one thing I'll say about the the little pockets you referenced, um, and I think those are good pockets to, to reference because they are they are noteworthy. The um, the Buffalo game in Week Five. That's Buffalo's second week. Of uh, a back to back, uh, okay, which is nice. Right. Right? We, we like to catch, we like to catch that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Chicago Indy piece to start that uh, that tough run you were talking about earlier. Both of those games are at home, um, and then the Cleveland game too to kind of end that streak. That's Cleveland basically coming. That's their second back to back as well. So
1: okay, it, that lightens uh, it up a little bit.
0: It does help, um, and I know those are, you know, those could be narrative based things. You could wait that if heavier or not, if you don't, but at the end of the day, like you know back-to-back road games, it's, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's not ideal. You'd much rather, you know, you feel much better about that uh Buffalo game. If you were backing Buffalo, if it was in Buffalo or it was their first uh first road game there. So definitely lightens it up a little bit And the stretch run, you know, Jacksonville, Detroit, you know, at green Bay, that game in the snow. That's a, that's a, a Derek Henry game for sure. And then at Houston, that very well could be a game that uh, determines whether or not they're maybe the division winner or the playoff seventh playoff team here. But um, good points for sure on the strength of schedule. But uh, what are your thoughts on this team here, Court?
2: Yeah, I don't think I have a lot of insights on the team level. Uh, you know, Super Bowl thirty-five point one, maybe worth a punt considering what we saw from them in the playoffs last year. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much insight here. I'm sort of the same as Connor. this, Connor. It was just last year. I couldn't quite figure out what was ever going on there. Just strange coaching decisions sometimes, uh, crazy efficiency spikes both ways. Um, and, yeah, I don't really have a handle on this team. I tended to stay away from them. In fact, I, for props, I may have been my least favorite team uh, to bet uh, last year. I don't really have a handle for them, and I, I don't really know uh, what to make of it I don't know. 8.5 wins at a decent price. So I guess maybe the over would be worth a shot. But uh, yeah, not something I'm messing around
0: with too much. The Titans. Well, the interesting thing here is uh, some continuity on the coaching staff is nice. You know, Vrabel pretty much is the head coach slash default defensive coordinator. I really like what we've seen from Art uh, Smith last year. He's been around with the system for a while, second year as a coordinator, but he's been with the Titans for a number of years. And I'm sorry to a good friend of the show, uh, John Daigle. This is not going to be the year for Darrington Evans. <laughs> this is the big dog show. And I really think that there's a really good chance. I know Silva's been talking about this. We've been talking about it a lot. That even a little bit of featuring Derek Henry in the passing game is going to help uh, the efficiency of this offense. This guy just needs the ball in his hands. If they're smart, they will just ride him until they can't ride him anymore. And I'm really bullish on some of the markets out there for Derek Henry. Um, so kick us off, Connor, what do you think about any of these Titans player props?
1: Yeah, I think I actually have a, a few takes on the Titans surprisingly, which is, you know, probably the most Titans takes I've had in like two, three years. Um, I mean, we have, so Tannehill is only at 3,450 yards, which you know, we look at our projections, which is 4,285. Like I like, I've looked at this multiple times over the off season. I didn't really do much research, much research into it, but I just like, you know, I saw this and was very surprised. Uh, but when you break it down, right. So I think his volume increases a little bit um, because, you know, it's not sustainable to ride Derrick Henry 35 times a game. You know, I mean, maybe it is. I mean, if it is anyone who can do that, it would be Derrick Henry. But yes. I don't think that, I don't think that it is, you know, viable. Um, for the last season, Tannehill started ten regular season games. He threw for twenty five hundred ninety eight yards in those games. So it's an average of two hundred fifty nine point eight a game. Uh, it's a sixteen game pace of four thousand one hundred fifty six. I mean, that's um, I mean probably where our, somewhat of where our projection comes into play. Um, he was uber efficient, but I mean, there's there's a lot of wiggle room there. You know, that's like eight hundred yards ish of wiggle room between you know, the prop of 3,400 and what we're projecting him for, which is 4,200. So I lean towards the over again, you know, a lot of what court said rings true here with the COVID and everything. Um, and the efficiency might go down. Like he's probably will not be as efficient as last year. Um, and, but I just think the number is um, this low because people are worried about what they saw in the playoffs. They're worried that that is an every week thing that, you know, Derrick Henry is going to get 30 touches and Tano's is going to throw the ball 15 times. I mean, maybe in some games that'll happen, but, I, I think they're going to have to throw the ball in some certain instances. Um, and like like we said, I mean, there's going to be some difficult games and they're not going to be able to run the ball, you know, the whole time, um, at least in my opinion. So I, I like the over on this one a little bit. I don't know, Court, uh, where you're at on Tannehill uh, or Henry. I, I don't really have too much of to a take on Henry because his, his yardage is already 1,325. And that's like – I mean, I know you love Henry, but that is a lot, man. That's a ton. It's a lot.
2: Yeah, it is a lot. Uh, yeah, no, no strong takes on tiny home really. I think it's a pretty fair line. Um, yeah, I mean, thirty-four fifty is a really small number, but like you say, the projections like it. Yeah, it's just a spot I'm just looking at and it's gross and I'm staying away from. I uh, we'll talk about AJ Brown a little bit. I think that's a really interesting line. Um, I actually think it's a pretty good line, nine ninety-nine point five to kind of ten fifty. Um I do think, though, that uh, – and I wanted to mention this earlier with Jonathan Taylor uh, and O.A.G. Brown. If there is a, an inefficiency in these markets, it very well can be with the second-year and rookie players. Um, with books just not really understanding uh, the roles that players uh, are tapped for based on you know what we've seen from them so far – uh, and I think that could be the case with AJ Brown. I think that definitely could be the case with Jonathan Taylor, as we talked about before. Um, so AJ Brown, uh, I ran the I ran his uh, rookie comps in the uh, Rotoviz screener. Uh, shout out to Rotoviz. I love the Rotoviz screener. You can use the similarity search, similarity search to find uh, players whose seasons are the most similar to other players. So I ran the uh, comps for A.J. Brown. So his most comparable rookie seasons, uh, based on uh, volume, production, efficiency, age, weight, and draft. Uh, so the top five rookie comp seasons are: okay, Julio Jones, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Lee Evans back in two thousand four, Jordan Matthews, uh, Mike Evans is the fifth one, and those are in order. So Julio Jones is actually. The, uh, the most comfortable, the rookie seasons were the most comfortable based on production uh, efficiency and uh, age, draft weight, uh, draft and weight. Uh, so that cohort uh, in their N1 season, so their second season averaged 1,106.4 1, yards. And that's actually dragged down by uh, Lee Evans back in you know, the His sophomore season was a bit of a disaster, I think like 750 yards but other than that, I mean, Julio had like 1,200 yards. Mike Evans had like 1,300 yards. Uh, Jordan Matthews was I think 997. Just short of a thousand yards. Um, and then Juju uh, went preserved as well. So you know, it's a nice cohort. I think I think if possible, even though this line is a little high, it, he might still be a little bit undervalued. Obviously, love him in fantasy because he's he's got that nice medium. Like this is sort of a nice median projection around a thousand yards. But he's also got. Uh, you know, if he gets uh, more volume, he's got a huge ceiling. So I don't mind an, an over here. I think, you know, again, that might be a bit of an inefficient market that we could target. And uh, we do see players of his cut that uh, uh, perform that well as a rookie go on to do very good things in the, in the second season. So I don't mind that too much for an over.
1: Anyway, uh yeah,
2: definitely going under on that one. Um, you know, I have a lot of things go right uh, last year to get to 1539, which is a huge number and good volume. He was healthy. He was efficient. Uh, so, you know, if any one of those things isn't there for him this year, all of a sudden uh, that number is in jeopardy. So, you know, 1325 is pretty reasonable. I'm not betting this, um, but yeah, pretty hard to go on the end of there if I, I hadn't bet it. That, yeah, no,
1: that, dude, that just reminds me of Henry's prop numbers at the end of like in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, like, you know, at some of these like price per heads and other books, I was seeing like Derek Henry, like over under, like it got up to 125 yards, like in, in like the, his final games. And I was like, I didn't take the under, I was too scared, you know, like I couldn't do it. And, you know, I like every bone in my body that told me like, this is the most ridiculous line you'll ever see in your entire life, you know, was saying to take the under. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it because I'm not, I am not willing to doubt Derek Henry. Um, but yeah, I, I love A.J. Brown take. That was actually a few months ago. I wrote up four player props that I liked the over on. Um, one was A.J. Brown. Uh, I took the over at 975 and a half. Um, you know, I after like I went into, you know, his like game by game, um, he didn't even see more than 70% of the offensive snaps until week 10. Um, and this, you know, pretty heavily correlated with his breakout there in four of the seven games, he went over 110 yards, racked up 622 yards total, um, and then in that time, he had a 24% target share. I mean, this year, I see no reason for him not to play, you know, almost every snap. Um, and I know that a lot of his numbers were decreased a little bit in the playoffs. But again, that, you know, that coincided with just like insane swings of um, efficiency from the Titans running the ball. But I mean, I, I think that's going to happen a few games here. But I just with those swings is going to come some really big A.J. Brown games. There's going to be some massive games. And so, I mean, I'm comfortable with him being, you know, a 1,000-plus-yard receiver. I still think at 999, uh, what you're seeing at FanDuel, uh, I like the over. 1,050 is a little bit tough. But I really – I I mean, our pro, uh, projection of 1,328 is a bit aggressive. You know, I'll say that for sure. But I, it would not surprise me for him to end up close to, like, 1,200-ish yards.
2: Yeah, for sure. And with the overs, I'll say again: like if if I am betting an over, I want to have that two game cushion where he can miss two, maybe three games, and still hit the yeah. over. I think that's AJ Brown for sure.
0: Yeah, there's just some wild stats here that I want to talk about before we wrap up on the Titans. And um, I love some of these per drive stats, uh, courtesy of Football Outsider. So just to give you a reference point, um, looking at touchdown. Per field goal last year. League average was 1.55 touchdowns per field goal attempt. The Ravens were fourth. They had the fourth best touchdown uh per field goal rate, just a little over two at 2.07. So to give you context, so league average one point or you know point one five five. Ravens are fourth, a little over two. What do you think the Titans were last year at touchdowns per field goal?
1: I don't know what, what, what,
0: six and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> That's an insane number. Insane six and a quarter. Same thing. Touchdowns per red zone opportunity. League average, uh, just a little bit under 57%. Uh, the Ravens were just a tad under 50 or sorry, 76%. So almost 20% higher than league average. On red zone efficiency last year. So, this kind of drives home the points that both Court and Connor are making around some just unsustainable efficiency numbers. Of course, I think we're going to see more regression on the, you know, maybe the Ryan Tannehill side and maybe AJ Brown side. We know that, you know, yards per reception is not a very sticky stat. He had, you know, AJ Brown had a couple of massive touchdowns against the Raiders. You know, those things do indicate talent and, you know, can be a little bit uh, of a storytelling from year to year, but they're not super sticky. But, uh yeah, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm bullish on Derrick Henry. I think the prop market's a little too high. Um, I'll get my exposure as a fan through, you know, through fantasy, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense to to chase a, an over in the year of COVID from a running back north of 1,300. It's just not, it's not a smart. just not smart. Yeah. There's a massive, massive Derrick Henry stand for, you know, Forever, it's just not how you should spend your money. Can't advise it. So,
2: are you, where are you taking Derek Henry in the top ten? You uh, is he up there with Kamara for you, or just behind him, like Dalvin Cook sort of? Uh, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, yeah. I think?
0: I got him fifth, um, but I really have like I've taken him fourth at times, um, just because I do think depending on the format, depending on you know where the you know, the host site and the rules, I just think that there's really a chance where he is feature is not the right word but i think utilized in the passing game a little bit right so 30 thirty five catches it would be massive for him we've seen it at times I mean he took a i think it was like an 80 yard screen of the house last year in week one against Cleveland you just shouldn't have, you feet sure like- have yeah you just you shouldn't have feet like that when you're that big and he is you know mobile and athletic he's just not a this isn't Brandon Jacobs from back in the day, like just a big, plodding, you know, run off the guard type of uh, type of athlete. He is kind of a a freak and someone that I think can break some norms. Again, don't take the over on the the season total. But uh, all right, before we move on to uh, the lesser half of the division, we'll tell you a little bit again about our friends over at Manscapes. Uh, if Connor can talk about his balls for us. Uh, again, I want to remind you that over at manscaped.com, you can use the code MOVETHELINE and secure yourself free shipping and 20% off. Uh, again, they are redesigning the electric trimmer. This thing is uh, just perfect if you do not want to have nicks and cuts. It is, uh, the battery is 90 minutes. For some reason, if you need to shave your face and your body for 90 minutes, uh, <laughs> it is able to do that. I don't know that there's a, I wouldn't have to do that. I think Connor's probably going to get closer to 90 than I am. Uh, (laughs) He's, you know, he's a hairy son of a bitch, but I think it's a a long time. You can do it in the shower too. There's a little led light that lets you see different. Like it's, it's awesome. Uh, Connor, tell us about uh, our friends. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think the whole 90 minutes there goes with um, like, you know, you only need to charge it for a little bit and then you just like take it off and you like put the charger away. Like, you know, you don't want that sitting out the whole time. Um, I mean, you know, no one, not everyone who walks in your bathroom needs to know that you groom and use Manscaped, but like, you know, it just need to be assumed. Like you need to take it the next step. Um, and I think the big thing for me is like the lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof. I mean, that's, that's big. You know, you can go in the shower, get it done. I know that, you know, um, maybe I, you know, I don't want to be clogging the drains too much, but you know, you know, little things here and there, no nicks. It is, I'm good to go. So I'm a big fan of Manscaped uh, and that, I mean, and I can't stress it enough. Go buy some ball deodorant. You want your balls smelling good, the Crop Preserver is the way to go.
0: Can't beat it. So head over to Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Uh, 20% off, free shipping with the code Line. All right, let's talk about the Texans. Uh, they are plus 154 to make the playoffs, minus 178 to miss it. Uh, win total, basically seven and a half everywhere, Plus 355 to win this division, 30 to 1 to win the AFC, and 65 to 1 to win the entire thing. Obviously, uh, they, I don't know, it's the Texans. They seem to be in win now mode. They kind of want to go for it. You know, what uh, Bill O'Brien has done with this roster in the last few years has been pretty wild, but he obviously has a feel for what he wants on that team, whether it's the best, and what we all agree with. That's uh, that's for another time. But obviously, the trade of DeAndre Hopkins bringing in David Johnson is pretty interesting. You know, bringing in Brandon Cooks and free agency is is interesting. You know, if he can play, even kind of close to 16 games, he obviously has just been a, a walking concussion in his career. Pairs up a little bit with you know with Will Fuller. Maybe they can miss uh, at different times, so it, it kind of creates a little bit of a um, a normal. You know, passing game there. Randall Cobb coming over from the Cowboys in the slot could be kind of a sneaky, undervalued play this year, too. They don't really love the defense. Uh, they tried to address it a little bit in the draft. They don't feel great about it. But, uh, Connor, Texans, what do you think?
1: Yeah, like, I, you know, I talked about them potentially being undervalued. And then, you know, I went through all the games and I went through kind of like what I, what I thought about what was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, Imagine starting your season with Kansas City, Baltimore, the Vikings, and then the Steelers. I like no no one is gonna come out of that unscathed. I mean, like this is and this is a team that lost the best receiver in football. And while I think that, you know, Deshaun Watson is an incredible player, it's just there's a good there's a decent chance they're 0-4. Um, I mean, then, you know, you're rolling into the Jags, which they should win, but then they get Packers Titans into their bye. Like if they are above five hundred, it is you know, a blessing. Like there is a very low chance of that happening. Um, and I mean, yeah. So at that point, like the season could very easily get derailed. I mean, if you're, you know, below, I mean, they'll be lucky to win like two games, two, three games in this, like in that stretch. And so I, I think that's a little bit scary for me, but I do think that in the prop market, I think that it's going to be something that we need to look for with Deshaun Watson playing from behind, throwing a lot, you know, just having to be a playmaker. That's really what it's going to come down to. Um, And we've seen it in the past, like Deshaun Watson can put the team on his back, even with lesser talent. I think that, you know, they have Cobb in the slot, they have Brandon cooks, they have Will Fuller. If all those guys are healthy, which is a massive, if don't get me wrong, if those guys are banged up and you know, they're playing some of these teams, like, you know, they're probably toast. But I think that with all those guys healthy, this team on paper, I think is okay. Like the offense, I think the the devaluation of the offense is a little bit overstated in my opinion, Um, just in general, but. I think the, the biggest place for me to take advantage of it will be in the prop market, like Deshaun Watson passing yards early in the season, things like that um, will be where I'll probably be looking to take advantage of this team.
0: Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of faith in the defense here either, which makes me a little bit nervous, especially when you mention just what happens to a team mentally too, starting own f- four, which, you know, I don't want to bank on that being the case, but uh, I mean, I think maybe that Minnesota game is really their only chance Because with that Baltimore, um, Kansas City and Pittsburgh, that's on the road. The Baltimore one's at home, but Baltimore's, you know, it's week two. Baltimore's, uh, yeah, just I'm not worried about that one. So it's really just Minnesota. I mean, they they probably are going 0-4. And, you know, that's just a bad start to a football, you know, for a football season, for a team. I mean, they're human at the end of the day. Um, Court, what are your thoughts on the Texans?
2: Yeah, I mean – you know, uh, these aren't markets that I analyze very deeply, so I don't, I don't have any great insight. My, my sort of uh, high-level play on this was going to be take the best quarterback at plus three fifty five and call it a day kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, obviously, it's a pretty big schedule. Vincent, and Bill O'Brien, you never quite know what you're going to get. But, yeah, I'm not sure why we're dinging them so much. I guess just because of Hopkins and just the general sort of uh, feeling around the team. I'm not, I'm not too sure why. I think this is, I think this is a little over them, At uh, the 355 and 7.5 total. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could definitely be wrong on that. Again, these aren't markets that I look at too closely at the, at the team level. But 355 seems okay for Deshaun Watson to me. Um, and other than that, I'm not really touching it. i got to say, although these, these props are, are pretty interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, we we're talking about how uh, the defense could have some issues, and they did, even though moving off of DeAndre Hopkins, you know, hopefully getting a little bit more out of Will Fuller, um, you know, bringing in Brandon Cooks, whatever that looks like. And then they added Cobb. They still have Kenny Stills. So, you know, that is you know, four receivers, not necessarily just these pillars of, of health over the last handful of years. But again, if they can get two or three on the field at one time, with a couple of pass-catching running backs, David Johnson looked cooked last year. Like, Dunzo cooked, fell off the cliff, literally, like, in the game. It was just really yes. good And watch. Um, but if there's anything left, uh, if not, Duke Johnson is a guy that we've all been clamoring for for years to be used in a 15-plus touch role. He can slide in there. He's an efficient pass catcher. Um, all of these things point to deshaun watson having to cook uh our four for four projections like him quite a bit 4248 passing yards uh significantly higher than what you could find over at fanduel which is a tad shy of uh, 3850 so give me your thoughts on watson connor
1: yeah I, i'm like i mean i think that 3849 at fanduel is like pretty low um for a guy who's just gonna be throwing pretty much all game um but i mean Part of the issue is that, like, if they're ever like winning games, like Bill O'Brien likes to run the ball, you know, they like to play some smash mouth football. Um, and that it kind of like con- conflicts with what I think is going to happen though. And I, like, you know, we talked about, I really think that they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Watson's going to have to throw a bunch. Um, and that as long as the pass catchers are healthy, I'm going to be looking to take some of those props. Like, I know, I mean, week one, like playing against the Chiefs, um, on the Thursday night opener, I'm definitely going to be taking some, some Watson props. Uh, I mean, obviously it depends on the number. Um, but I I'm pretty confident that it's going to open up closer to like 270, 280. Um, you know I think 300 yards is very easy, easily attainable. I know that you know the unders are generally the sharper play, but I feel like some of these some of these overs have been some of my better bets in terms of you know like catching catching good quarterbacks in situations where they're going to be throwing behind throwing and playing from behind almost the entire game, and it's like very predictable. Um, and when he has all the talent on his field, which he should week one. I mean we're we're getting there and everyone's healthy. So, you know, I think everyone should be out there. Um, I, I do like him to throw for a lot in week one. Uh, it's, as far as the season long thing goes, I, I lean or, over, you know, for a lot of the reasons we talked about. Um, but again, it's, it's a little too close for what, you know, I'm projecting here. I think that I'm, I'm probably not going to be taking this one. Um, are you, are you in on this one quarter? Are you taking the under here?
2: I think this is a really good line. Yeah. I probably set it right around where they've set it. 3,900 4,000. Um, yeah, just for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, like he is going to have to cook. But at the same time, like Bill O'Brien, yeah, he has he has no, he has no problem just kind of doing his own script. I mean, if you bet the Texans at all in the last few years, props, like you've seen it, and just he doesn't really he doesn't tend to follow game script as a, stay on script as much as a lot of coaches do. He just does weird stuff in games, so um, he'll go away from Watson when he doesn't need to. Um, and rely on, last year it was Carlos Hyde relying on and this year it's David Johnson, so he's shown that he's going to do that um, and I don't really think we're going to ever see Watson, I shouldn't say ever, I don't really think anytime soon or this season we're going to see Watson really let loose um, so yeah, I think I think this is a pretty good line, I'm not really touching it uh, you, guys, you guys have listed uh, Brandon Cook's uh, player probably 50.5 yards and uh, that's the way I really love the under. Um, just so many red flags there. Uh, you know, got the concussion history. Uh, doesn't take much to for him to lose a couple weeks there. Uh, got the COVID risk. Uh, he's on a new team. Uh, always hate to see uh, receivers starting on a new team. Um, and then yeah, just again, Bill O'Brien. You know, I'm always I'm always wary anytime time Bill O'Brien is involved props. So I love the, uh, Brandon Cooks under 850.5. I think that's, that's a great play. Uh, you guys don't have a list here, but have you seen any numbers for, uh, with Fuller?
1: No, I mean, we were looking, I looked up, you know, some of the, some of the local bets over we use, um, for like FTN does a really good prop shop, um, which is what we have loaded on the screen here. Um, and it looks like they have to lead the league in receiving, um, you know, it, it aggregates all the books, which is 80 to one. I think that that's an interesting bet for sure. Yeah. I think at 80 to one, I would, I'm definitely interested in that. I, I think I might have actually put in a little bit on that, like a, a few nights ago. Um, I just, I don't remember, which is kind of sad, but I, I think it is a good bet. Um, and yeah. that, that cook's bet, I think is, is really solid as well. Um, I'm, I've been, you know, maybe not like a cook's like hater, but, um, Matt, Matt Harmon's reception perception, I think, you know, from day one revealed that he's not a good route runner against man coverage. Like he really struggles against press man. And you're looking at this offense here where um, I don't think there's gonna be a ton of creativity. Um, And like, there's a good chance. They might just like leave him on an Island, you know, not really move him around a ton where he sees a lot of that, just like tight press man coverage is like some middle tier corner just shuts him down the whole game. Um, And so for me, that means I think that Will Fuller is going to have you know big games, even if he's seeing number one corners. I think that you know he'll he'll see enough target rapport in the past with Watson. I mean, he saw whatever a fifteen target game where he blew up for over two hundred yards. Um, and in that game, like he was running a ton of drag routes. Like, it wasn't all just deep. You know, there was a lot of like it'll in between routes that um, Fuller and Watson were connecting on. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Cook's under there, and I'm I'm all in on Fuller. I, I can't quit. You know, even though the injury history. Uh, he turns in a full season. I think we are going to see fireworks and at 80 to one to lead the league in receiving. I think that's, I think that's worth playing.
0: Yeah. It's worth, uh, 10, 20 bucks.
1: Just, yeah. Just I mean, pay. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. I'm with you in the cooks thing. I mean, he just, he's
1: hard. It's
0: hard to keep him on the field and concussions are just the thing that, you know, once you start getting them, it's, it's pretty easy to continue to get him. So, um, yeah, the one thing that I would say, you know, as far as like Bill O'Brien and wanting to run the football, is that we've this has basically been a you know leader in this division and really a playoff team consistently for the last handful of years. And I don't think that's necessarily the case this year. I think they're just going to be in some less advantageous game scripts, and they're going to be forced into having Watson have to do things more. Um, on his arm than they had in the past. You know, they that's,
2: I you think that's mostly down to a uh, downgrade on defense. Is your major concern
0: there? Massive downgrade on defense. Um, I just, I think the secondary is, is poor, Um and that's just going to create some some exciting maybe DFS spots. And really, you know, have them having to not really lean on the run game, uh, and again, just maybe also not really trusting the ability to lean on the run game. Uh, I know that. They really haven't had anything exciting in the last couple of years. Lamar Miller hasn't really moved the needle. We know Carlos high did not. Uh, it's just one of those like just the worst 1,000 yard seasons of all time. Just literally just rolling out for 63 yards a game and uh, cracking that that thousand yard mark. But yeah, I just I think the defense is going to be poor in the back end, and that's going to lead to them having to have nothing else to do except lean on their their quarterback. They're really their best player, so. All right, let's move on to a really exciting team. This is the way to wrap up the divisional previews is with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, just absolute dumpster fire. The worst team in the league. Minus 1450 to not make the playoffs. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good chances that is uh, is going to happen. Not a great use of your dollars, but uh, four and a half in most spots for the win total. Five available at MGM. Uh, They are 23-1 to to win this division, 101 to win the AFC, and 201 to win the whole thing. Um, This team is awful, and they are obviously not really trying. They're kind of leaning into, you know, Gardner Minshew and all of that's going to be. They do have some exciting pass catchers. DJ Chark, a big fan of Leviska Chenault, was not excited that he landed here. But, uh, yeah, Connor, get us started. Let's talk about the Jags.
1: All right, I mean I have to this is an you know open end question here. What would their Super Bowl odds have to be for you to put ten dollars on them to win the Super Bowl? Like honestly, I mean what, like two thousand to one? Yeah, I mean, I mean 2000 to one, yeah. Like I mean Leicester City won the Premier League championship and they were five hundred to one. That was like, you know, I think the biggest like odds that Sportsbook lost like Biggest loss sports have taken in terms of like a long shot hitting. Um, I just it is you know unfathomable to think about the Jaguars winning you know the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, yeah, so like obviously not touching any of those props four and a half. I mean, they might win less, but Gardner Minshew, I think, might will them to right around that number. Uh, there's gonna be some definitely some close games for them. Um, I'm mostly honestly just looking to take running back props against them. Um, I think that this is going to be like a situation where we'll be able to see teams just be able to run the ball pretty much all game. Uh, and then, you know, perfectly week one, they're opening against the Colts. Um, I mean, I'm really excited to see what these Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor props open up at week one. I really, I think that both of them are, you know, potentially in play to take like an over at like 40-ish yards, 50 yards. Um, it's kind of like what we saw with the, the 49ers, you know, later in the season with, you know, them playing against the Packers. I know that um, most smashed, but like really both of them were in play to take, you know, they were both set at like 40, 50 yards. The people are going to shy away because there's like a committee here, but the their run defense isn't good and they're going to be up by a lot. So it's it's one of those things where I'm looking forward to that at, at week one and probably the whole season, at least until the markets adjust um, with any, you know, kind of insight we have onto what the team is going to do here but in terms of like their season-long props yeah I'm, pro- I'm probably not touching much if if at all here because just like you said i mean this team is going to be downright dreadful um maybe maybe some chenault stuff if we see his usage but i'm not really sold on any of that and then maybe some Chark props but um he was kind of up and down with Minshew. i know he, sh- he shined last year but i think he was a little bit more more shaky than what people remember
0: yeah, it's, his number is pretty high. Our projections are four for four, like in quite a bit, uh, just a hair over 1,000 yards. But uh, you're seeing stuff in the prop markets uh, pretty close to that number, 975 out there. Um, and that's really all we have. And it's really all we should have. We shouldn't be subjected to four or five player props for the Jags. Uh, obviously, there's <laughs> no running back props. There's really no running back to talk about per se. But um, do we have a feel for the running back situation? I, and I think that um, – None of us really should. We obviously have Chris Thompson coming over. is uh, just another guy that has not shown the ability to stay healthy but has really been pretty dynamic at times when he's been healthy. Jay Gruden's on this coaching staff now, very familiar with uh, Thompson from their time together in Washington. There's Zigbo, there's Armstead, there's undrafted free agent James Washington. I mean, we're literally talking about, you know, UDFAs possibly getting, you know, work in week one for this Jaguar team. That's kind of what we're talking about, but uh, any thoughts on the Jags or the, the chart prop here court?
2: Yeah, no, really. I think, I think Chuck's a pretty good line there at about 975 yards. Um, he's a guy I've drafted a ton of in fantasy, uh, but that's mostly for the upside. Um, when we're looking at sort of a medium outcome like this, uh, I think this is probably fair, if not a little bit high, maybe. I think he was just short of 1,000 last year on a team that was, uh, you know, not good, but comp- trying to compete <laughs> and uh, no longer really trying to compete. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah, they're going to be throwing a lot more, but um, they're also going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be more of a challenge to sustain the drives. Um, and that's a huge problem uh, when it comes to you know, these kind of props. If you can't sustain drives, you're just you're not gonna get yards. Um so yeah, I I, I think nine seventy-five is a pretty good line. Um I, I love home fantasy. I absolutely think you know the upside is, is definitely worth trying to capture. Um but you know, in, in terms of the median you know, outcome, I think, you know, if anything, probably leaning a little bit under here just because you know there are, are, are more paths to an under. So uh, leaving a little bit under and yeah, I haven't really seen any any other ones. Definitely, Chanel is a nice guy uh, to target in, in fantasy, although his price might be getting a little bit uh, ridiculous now at this point in the year as well.
0: Yeah, he's getting more expensive for sure. I think there's some interest again, just how he was utilized in Colorado and his skill sets, uh, being able to you know handle a handful of carries here, which I think is is pretty generous and optimistic. You know, he is getting a little rich, so I definitely have. Um, you know, have less exposure than I thought I would have, mostly because he's being priced out of where I want to pay for him. Just as, I think Court makes a good point, the efficiency, the lack of plays here uh, is really a problem. They were fifth worst in drive success rate last year offensively. I think they're going to be even worse this year. I know that there's a thought process around this team is bad, negative game script, they're going to have to throw a lot. But, like, you can only do that for three downs before you need to get a first down to continue to do Mm -hmm. it. You know, you just can't just... You can't just do this over and over again. Uh, you have and to get
2: you know, it. I mean, you want to have, to have at least a semi decent team, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, even Chris Thompson. Like I know we're going to get to him next, but I know people are getting really excited about him. But you know, the ceiling's not there. And again, they're just—they're not going to be close to the end zone. They're not going to be sustaining drives. So even if Thompson gets a bunch of uh, targets and whatever, it's—it's it's not too much to get excited about. And I can't get excited about the rest of the. On the team uh, with Fournette gone for that reason as
0: well. Yeah, Chark is the same reason for me. Like I feel like he's, I like him. He is bunched to me in a group of really exciting, you know, fourth, fifth round receivers, and he's kind of at the bottom of that list for me. Not because I I don't like him at all, but it's just it's really hard for me to think of, you know, this situation in Seattle where you know Lockett and Medcalf are you know, very similar ADPs and it's a very narrow tree and they have a a hyper efficient quarterback and massive upside, you know, even a, a, maybe a better comp would be a Terry McLaurin who is also on what's perceived to be a pretty bad team. But I just like that situation a lot more than I like the Jacksonville situation. So, you know, the Rams guys, he's right around there as well. It's like, I just, I'd rather, I'd rather go elsewhere. So I find myself having maybe less shark in my, you know, fantasy portfolio that I would want, but I just have a hard time taking him ahead of uh, most of those other guys that are going in that that fourth, fifth round. Uh, Any thoughts on the running back situation, Connor, Uh, Chris Thompson or anyone else that's popping for you?
1: I mean, I think Chris Thompson is going to lead the team in running back fantasy points, like for sure. But uh, right now, I mean, so Joe Pano and I did a draft um, what on Monday and uh Rykel armstead went in the seventh round this was like a 350 dollar oh. FFPC draft <laughs> yeah right armstead went the seventh round i think ozigbo went before thompson too wow. um i don't even i don't even like really like i mean i think thompson's the best pick but i don't even like him that much so i just don't really think the upside is that high like you know you'll see some <laughs> pass catching work but you know this team's not going to be good he's not going to really see early down work even if he does um i mean i don't think that it's it's on, not on a team that's good enough to really take advantage of it so i just don't think it really matters too much um so yeah i mean i'm, I'm kind of off them all in you know fantasy really but uh i think you made some good points on Chark. i'm kind of in a, you know in a similar standpoint there um and i you can't stress that enough about how we all talk about negative game script but if they're not efficient at all like it doesn't matter and they're just going to be i think they're gonna be one of the worst teams in the league in terms of efficiency so um, it's really tough for me to really be too confident in anything on the Jaguar side. And that's, you know, kind of like what I was saying, I think that it's going to be an interesting spot to pick at for, you know, running back overs, even if they're, you know, mediocre, as long as they're getting some kind of uh, decent projection uh, in terms of carries. Um, I think you can, you know, bump that up for this game and probably take some overs early in the season before the markets adjust. Sure.
2: Yeah. And, then to, and I'll just add with the game script thing. Um, I think what we're sort of starting to find on our end as we as we research this stuff more and get more data. Actually, we're going to have a series coming out uh, starting probably later this week or next week, looking at three years of prop results. And uh, we did a little bit of this last year, and this year we're doing it again, but we're adding uh, game script to a potential game script um, in terms of the uh, projected game script based on the line community of the game. And what we've actually found is that. It it doesn't really have the effect on player props specifically. I'm not speaking uh, towards DFS or fantasy at all. With with player props specifically, we we really don't see the effect that you might expect in terms of, um, you know, a running back going in as a point favorite. Um, Yeah, he's going to get more carries, but the market's adjusted for that. Um, So I think that's kind of what we see. Like, you know, I talk a lot about game script when I'm breaking down props. But the thing is, again, it's, it's sort of the same with the strength of schedule. like it's not secret information. that information's out there, um, and the market's aware of it. So in terms of the game script stuff, like even if that's the case, um, you know I think that's accounted for in these numbers. I think the market is accounted for that stuff. So um, yeah, I think, I think in terms of chart, that's a pretty fair number uh, because yeah, the game scripts are going to be are going to be negative, but at the same time, the efficiency is going to be poor, and the market is going to be adjusted for those game scripts I mean, not catching anybody surprised by surprise with how bad the Jaguars are going to be.
0: I was in a NFPC uh, FFPC slow draft as that was breaking the other day in the nineteenth round, and I was able to get Armstead. I don't know okay. About- 19th round Armstead than I would about seventh round Armstead. Um, I'm with you. Like, if I had to take one first, it probably would be Chris Thompson. And even that's not exciting. And even that, I don't want like yeah. top 10 rounds. I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Zigbo or Armstead. I feel like it's probably one of them. But the pass catching rule, we know that, you know, receptions are basically 3x what a carry is. So I just feel better about projecting that out, even if it were to be, say, 10 games. Than I do about uh, highly or even middling efficiency on ten to twelve carries from Zigbo or, or Armstead, so it's really a stay away for me. I think you're probably going to be smart to really just let someone else chase the dragon on that one. You know, try to get the cheapest guy if you need running back help, but it's not a situation to to attack. Think like, again, fifth worst drive success rate last year. They're going to be worse. Um, it's not a great offensive line. Uh, defense is. Poor. It's just it's just a bad it's just a bad situation. So that uh, it wraps up thirty two teams, eight divisional previews. Uh, Court, your favorite bet tonight, and who wins this division? Yeah, I'm going to go favorite
2: bet is uh, Brandon Cooks under 850.5 yards uh, pretty easily. Uh, I don't know what the David Johnson unders are. I, I didn't check, uh, but. Um, I think I recall seeing them earlier, maybe about a month ago, and um, yeah, also pretty much unders on any kind of reasonable line there. Um, like 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 you were talking about earlier, he's just uh, a shell of his, of his former self, um, and yeah, tons of. I mean, he's he hasn't cleared a thousand yards since 2016. Terrible last year. He's turning 29 in a couple months. Uh, the 7.5 7.5 million total is a factor. Uh, Tells us they're not going to be in games. Just tons of red really for David Johnson. So completely out on David Johnson in fantasy, and uh, would love to fade him on on, on the props as well. And uh, Cooks under fifty point five is my my favorite one for sure.
1: I like it. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, I, I like that um, the AJ Brown over. Um, is probably my favorite bet, and then uh, also like that that Marlon Mack under. You know, those were two of my early ones that I I put out um, probably like three months ago at this point. Um, and then in terms of the division, probably going to go with the Colts. Um, I think they win the division, but I'm not really, I don't have a ton of conviction on it, to be entirely honest.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the Titans win the division, but I don't have a ton of conviction there either. I just, I like that number a little bit better. I think they're, they probably should be flat to the Colts but since you're getting a little bit of a better number than you are uh, on Indy. I'd probably lean that way. I do think Indy's potential defensively, Maybe takes uh, the cake for them there. Again, really easy schedule for the most part. I mean, we're, we're seeing the uh, NFC North and the uh, we have the uh, yeah, both the AFC and NFC North for their schedules this year. So pretty easy stuff. Favorite prop, I, I'm on that Deshaun Watson prop uh, I'm over on Fanduel thirty eight hundred forty nine yards. I think it's a little little lights uh, as long as he can stay healthy and get sixteen games in. I think is pretty much the always if in this season long prop market, Uh, I think that there's uh, a pretty good chance that Watson clears that fairly, fairly comfortably. So um, that wraps us up court. uh, Tell the listeners where they can find your stuff.
2: Yeah, check us out at uh, betprop.com. We're going full bore on uh, NBA props right now and uh, strikeout props and then, of course, getting ready for a big season. Uh, yeah, we hit uh, last year we hit 60% on NFL props under about 600 bets. Uh, we focus a lot on uh, all the markets, offshore, onshore, uh, everything. So, yeah, we had a great season last year, and, and i got to say I'm loving I got to say, I'm, I'm usually a little bit nervous coming into the season because it's been all summer and I haven't really been betting a lot of baseball and all that. But with this restart I and mean, everything, I've just been betting a ton every day and just kind of rolling into NFL. And uh, I got to say, <laughs> I'm feeling good and super excited. So find us at bettheprop.com. We've got uh, uh, an early bird special on right now for another week before the season starts. So, um, you know, we do well in these markets. We've got a ton of experience. We also go out of our way to make sure you're getting there. Uh, Plays quickly and on time, and alerted uh, as anybody who bets props knows you need because these lines move really so fast. So find us there. You uh, judge me on Twitter, bettheprop.com. If you have any questions,
0: awesome! Thanks so much for coming on, man. It was nice to meet you and uh, have you on. So everyone, go ahead and check out bettheprop.com, uh, and you can find us on Twitter as well uh, at MoveTheLineNFL. Line NFL. Connor's there at Connor Allen NFL, and there at Ryan Noonan. You could find again the podcast. Uh, we are doing it here. You're listening to it, so you found it. You can also find us on YouTube over at 444's YouTube page, Twitch over at Four. For 4, for 4. Someone's out there hustling that 4FOR4 that, uh, 4, 4, uh, Twitch stream. And then uh, we're also here on Periscope as well. So, again, we'll be back. Connor and I will be back for week one. We are getting started. Uh, we will have Rotor World's John Daigle joining us for week one. Should be a good one. Uh, So again, for Connor, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening.